For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everyone? Today is a big day. Today is the first day of the Hustle and Overflow podcast. Round of applause sound. There it goes. And to host this wonderful podcast is none other than the illustrious, the postman himself, the mechanic on the, on the court, on the hardwood, Sonny Giuliano. You're very wow. kind. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, hopefully, this this episode goes a little smoother than our initial episode one, which um, really just exists in mine and yours mind because it was not recorded. So, yeah, hopefully no. Every, hopefully, everyone is actually listening to this. That would be great if we actually had people listening. That'd be really good. <laughs> that was yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, I will say. Um, oh, first of all. I, I, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Weston, um, not illustrious, decent on the hardwood. Um, but, you know, you guys really missed out on the first podcast that never happened. We dropped some pretty good Jason Bateman jokes. Um, and that's just, that's just, just gonna be one for the, for the books, you know, just for us. It's in our hearts. A lot of, yeah, we had the Jason Bateman jokes. We had, uh, some love for Prince. We broke down the best and worst Olympic events. I pitched you on handball being the next big Olympic event for the 2028 Olympics in LA. It was a good time. That's right, and and I think you uh, attempted to throw away one of the the bigger sports in swimming. Uh, we won't have to dive into that, but um, but yeah, that was that was a hot take. It was a hot take for sure. Dude, there are just too many. There are just too many swimming events. I don't need. I don't need to know how to swim five different ways. I need to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. And if that means if that means I'm backstroking or butterflying or freestyling, I yeah. just need to know what my best one is. And I need to know what Michael Phelps' best one is. I don't need to know that he's good at five of them. So Yeah. Now, they should put live animals in the pool and make people actually have to swim from something. And so, I think it would really, oh, like, fear factor on, that, swimming. That, that Michael Phelps thing, I didn't watch it when he was supposedly racing a shark. I did hear, cool. though, that he actually didn't race a shark. No, it was just CGI. It was all hype. <laughs> well, that's really like, stupid. It, that, yeah, it was very that's dumb. All more, I, that's all the I, more I, reason to, to get rid of all the swimming events, just as a punishment for <laughs> for deceiving the the consumers. That That's horrible. Yeah, don't believe the hype for sure, on this one. Um, yeah, it was, like, really dumb. It was just, you know, CGI. He was swimming with one of those, like, mermaid feet things where his feet were together so he could get, you know, more torque, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was, like, 
you know, they were swimming, and then the shark jumps out of the water at the end. It was really corny. So, um, goodbye swimming. You're done. You're dead to us, um, if you weren't already. But, um, but we're here to talk about a spectacle in its own right. Um, it probably wouldn't be as much of a spectacle had Michael Phelps actually swam with the great white shark. But um, there's a big fight this weekend. The one of the century of our lifetime, maybe? Well, that, that's what I've been conflicted about the last couple of days. We, we've been planning this podcast around the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight. Um, and if you're listening to this pod, hopefully it's before that fight because we're going to be previewing it and talking about um, basically all things that fight and why it matters, why it might not actually matter. Um, but But that is actually what I've been thinking about this week is – how much does this fight really matter? And if it doesn't matter a whole lot, why is it that I'm so interested in? Yeah, I I think it's just one of those, like, it feels to me like a Frankenstein match where it's just like, we're just making a mess of this whole thing. It's, it's no longer for, you know, it, it doesn't really mean anything. What it means is money. That's all it means to me is, you know, both either way, these dudes are walking out with what 100 mil, and if yeah, I mean, Conor McGregor has already, I mean, the one of the biggest finesses in history, he finessed a hundred million dollars, um, his own entertainment company, his own line of suits, um, he already won, <laughs> you know, in, in my eyes. But I mean, win or lose, I, you know. I don't know that really means much for boxing, really. Well, well, he, okay, well, let's go back a little bit. The fight for Mayweather and McGregor obviously has a, a, a great deal to do with the money that they're making. It's reported that Mayweather is going to make $100 million, McGregor probably $75 million. But what I'm interested in is why sports fans are interested in this fight. Because the motives are very clear for Mayweather and McGregor. Even if you take money out of the equation, if for Mayweather it yeah. gives him a chance to bring his record to an even 50-0, which would surpass Rocky Marciano. For McGregor, I mean, he really has the most to gain from a legacy standpoint, which we'll probably get into a little bit later on. But I, I want to – I'm more curious why – sports fans, and I don't even know if everyone who's going to be buying this fight would even consider themselves a sports fan. I'm intrigued by why there's so much interest in this fight. And I was thinking about it today, and I basically came to the conclusion that anyone who who is intrigued by this fight is probably in one of four camps. They either really like Conor McGregor, really dislike Floyd Mayweather, genuinely enjoy boxing or genuinely feel like this is actually a landmark sports moment. And I'm looking at it as someone who who I guess has a a slight interest in boxing and more so the history of boxing than what boxing is now. And mm-hmm. someone who identifies as a Conor McGregor fan. And I'm still confused why 
the combination of those two things has me genuinely really pumped for this Saturday and really interested in what is going to go down, how much of a shit show it may be. Maybe it's going to be one of the great upsets in, in sports history, but I don't know what for you, if we have those as the four options, how would you rate those in terms of why you're interested in this fight? I don't know. That's tough. Uh, because I, I definitely have a strong dislike for Floyd Mayweather. Um, but I and, – and it's not necessarily because of his boxing as a whole. It's just – I don't know. He just kind of seems like a tool to me. Um, mm-hmm. But it's that. It's the spectacle. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, if, if Conor were to win, and really for boxing fans, if Floyd wins, this is like, uh, you know – watching Muhammad Ali, like, you know, as far as, like, the spectacle or, like, you can say you actually watched it, you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, it's it's a, it's a toss-up because I'm also, like, I'm not a huge UFC fan. Uh, I would say I'm, like, light to medium uh, fan, but um, I just also think that, you know, UFC is harder, in my opinion, because, I mean, there's just way more threats. And I get why boxing is difficult because there's rules and stuff, but I don't know. I just think for me, it's more entertaining to see people just go all out instead of being confined to, you know, such limited rules. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I I definitely think I'm leaning more towards the spectacle thing out of anything in that this is like a, you know, sports history event. Um, But, you know, I, I really hope that Floyd gets dropped. Here's what I worry about. I think there's a really good chance that this could end up resembling a lot of other Floyd Mayweather fights and that his opponent is going to be swinging wildly for 12 rounds and not making much contact. And the fact that it is McGregor will probably, it'll probably feel like a bigger deal not only because he does possess one-punch knockout power, but also because, really, we know for a fact he's not going to outbox Floyd Mayweather. So what I worry is that that's what it's going to be. It's going to be 12 rounds of of just wild swings and misses and Mayweather counterpunches, and, and that's going to be it. And Mayweather's going to win by decision, and it's going to feel like every other Floyd Mayweather fight where after it, you're kind of like, well, that really wasn't that special. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, even though he's 49-0, and 0 and and it's really hard to dispute the fact that he's one of the most technically proficient boxers ever, I don't think anyone would confuse watching a Floyd Mayweather fight with watching Ali at his peak or peak Mike Tyson. So... You know, I think unless McGregor wins, this might end up just being something that we forget about 20 years from now. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think people just the thing about the thing about Floyd for me is that like, I mean, technically speaking, if you're following the rules and you win, that's still a win. But as far as like entertainment value and like legacy nobody like nobody can say oh you know you remember that time you know floyd dropped 
Pacquiao, you know, like it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't hold the same weight as, you know, Ali and Foreman or, you know, anything of that. Right. Like, right. Nobody. Holyfield. Yeah. Nobody's going to be telling their grandkids about watching Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I mean, now if, 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 uh, Connor wins, I think they will because it's going to be enormous. We, we will have never seen anything like this. I mean, the you can take the Giants, you know, helmet catch in the Super Bowl or Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch. I guess that's two Giants. Or like, you know, uh, Barry Bond smacking his however many homers. And you, you can put all of them together and it's not going to be as much as this. If Connor wins, and I hope he does, it's going to be insane. And I don't know what it says for boxing. I don't know what it says for the UFC, but uh, it's it's a statement for sure. Okay, I, I have three points with what you just said. Mm-hmm. One, it's funny you mentioned the Giants helmet catch because I was actually looking today at what some of the biggest sports upsets were. And oh, yeah. and you you and I have talked about this, how remarkable it is that McGregor – his his odds continue to plummet. He, he's at a four to one right now, which is kind of remarkable. He started, I believe, as a twelve to one underdog when when conversations between camp, the Mayweather camp and the McGregor camp started in January. So uh, I was looking up some of the the biggest upsets in sports history, and the Giants to win that Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. We're one hundred to one. <laughs> wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> I think that's an upset. To me, the, there's just something that doesn't equate to that. That two football teams who who played a game earlier in the season, and that game was decided by three points, would play again in the Super Bowl, and a team that lost by three was one hundred to one to win outright. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's, okay, so that that's my first point. I found it very interesting that you went to that as like one of the seminal sports moments. When in reality, that was by Vegas a much bigger upset than McGregor. Yeah. So se- second, what it does for boxing, I really don't think. No matter what the result is, this does anything for boxing. I really don't because I, I really think that there are very few people who are ordering this fight with an open mind that, hey, maybe I'll be swayed and become a boxing fan because of this. I think they they fall into one of the four camps that, that I laid out before in that they really like McGregor, they really dislike Mayweather, they already are boxing fans, or that they think that this is some kind of once-in-a-lifetime sports moment. Um, I, I really don't see many people being, like, brought over to the, the the camp of being a huge boxing fan, where you're watching it every weekend and you're now super pumped for the for the upcoming Golovkin fight. Like, it, it I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and I, I think more than anything, to me, it's not even so much that. I don't see anybody that calls themselves a fan of the UFC being like, oh, well, 
I guess boxing's better. You know, it's 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 not going to be like that. But I I think as far as like cultural dominance, like in what's the dominant sport, uh, which I think is in in my experience unquestionably the UFC because. I believe we may have just lost Weston. Yep, it appears as if Weston has left the call. Oddly enough, this happened on the on the podcast that we recorded last week that uh, eventually was. Hey, there he is. <laughs> Sorry, a thunderstorm just got hit by lightning. Just cut my Wi-Fi out. <laughs> Deja um, vu all over again. That was second yeah. call in a row that we've lost contact. Yeah. It's, uh, the, I guess the odds are not in our favor. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. In short, I guess I was kind of running on a tangent that was, that was God telling me to just cut it, move on. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I think boxing stands to lose more than the UFC does. Well, I think the UFC kind of has everything to gain. That was going to be my, my third point was that, yeah. I mean, UFC is already mainstream. It's come a long way just in 10 years. I mean, I, I think it was 14 years ago. I've been doing a little research for a future writing project. I think 14 years ago that they had their first pay-per-view with, uh, with over 100,000 buys, and now they're regularly at over a million. So they've come a long way in a a relatively short amount of time. But, I mean, if McGregor could step into the boxing ring and knock out Mayweather, I just feel like that does wonders for the UFC. It legitimizes them in a way that, that, uh, you know, Five round classic brawl couldn't do. Yeah, and I mean, just the the one thing I want to see if Connor does win, I want to see those next UFC buy stats because I guarantee you, if it's if it's a good card, if it's McGregor fighting again, which he said he's going to fight again this year because he's trying to like top the Forbes list or something, but um. If uh if he if they put on a good card right after this fight or you know a couple months after this fight those those buys are I feel like are going to be a lot higher than they were before. Yeah, I mean he he already has headlined four of the five most watched UFC pay per views in the company's history. So I mean he's already there, and I don't I really don't think there is anything he has to lose. In this fight, because I mean, if he if he goes in there and he goes twelve rounds with Mayweather, he's just on an even playing field as as everyone else who Mayweather has fought over the last five years. I guess if he were to get knocked out in round one or early rounds or was just a complete mess, that probably does something that might knock him down a peg. But I mean, if he could go in there and maybe win a couple rounds just because he's more aggressive and, you know, hang in there for 36 minutes. You know, that doesn't make him all that different than somebody like Canelo Alvarez. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, 
I just don't see much downside for him. There's certainly more risk that, that Mayweather is taking, taking the fight. But, I mean, I guess if he's as late on his taxes as as it seems he may be, it, the the financial aspect of this fight outweighs what it could do to his legacy if he were to lose. Yeah, it would just be so awesome. <laughs> I would love to see him lose. Like, that guy is, I mean, he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of arrogant athletes. I mean, for sure. Just pure, pure flaunting and, like, trash talk and, you know, let's, like, let's not forget that one time that he totally sucker punched a dude in the ring. And it was just like, oh, well, I mean, he said go, or, you know, he never said stop. And it's just and, like, and that was it. Like, even even more than that, like, we can't just ignore the fact that he doesn't have domestic abuse issues in his yeah. past. Yeah. Like, that, that make him a, a genuine, not good person. Yeah, and I mean... It's just, and what's what's so funny though is like, I mean, we talked about this in the the mythical first half or the mythical first podcast we did, but um, you know, the whole the forever ongoing Michael Jordan, uh, you know, LeBron argument. But it, what's funny is that like, if you were to put, and I don't know if this is fair to put, you know, Michael Jordan as Ali and LeBron as Mayweather, um, no, which. I get you. I get you really quick. It'd be LeBron as Tyson. Yeah. Because because yeah. here's the thing. It, I, I, it's interesting to me that that Mayweather really took over the the title as the biggest draw in boxing after Tyson flamed out, and the the pay per view buys justify that. Mayweather has the top three in in boxing history, or at least um, since, I believe, the early 90s. His three biggest are bigger than, than Tyson's. But doesn't it seem, and obviously we were not there for the very peak of Tyson. I, I remember the tail end. I remember um, – thinking how crazy it was that one boxer bit another boxer's ear off in the ring. <laughs> yeah. But doesn't it seem like even just hearing stories that Tyson was insanely more popular than Mayweather is right now, or Mayweather has been for the last 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Mayweather, that's the thing. Is like there's, There was a hysteria around Mike Tyson, you know, like – it's, it's almost just like, you know, going into the ring, people expect Mayweather to be, like, ducking around and doing all the defense. But, like, if we're talking, you know, pure entertainment value, I, he's just not even up there for me. No. Like, and, and once again, I like to preface this with I don't watch boxing that much, um, but I think it's it's still relatively telling that I know, you know, five or six boxers, um, and and I've seen a couple of them, but it's just, they don't compare. There's no, 
there's no actual venom. You like felt venom when you were watching some of these other fights and it just it feels very managerial and just very boring to me. Yeah, that that's I mean, Mayweather is not only boring in the ring, he's never really said anything remotely interesting. Yeah. I can't think of a time I mean, he uh, even with the the press conferences leading up to this fight, it was mostly what McGregor was saying that was fueling those those press conferences. And Mayweather eventually got in some hot water with some stuff he said, but with Tyson, it was a combination of he was always saying outlandish shit in interviews and post-fight uh, interviews, and and also the fact that he was a complete terror in the ring. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a, a seven-year stretch where he was just knocking everybody out, and he had no peer. And even though the record says that Mayweather has no peer, it, I don't know, there, there has never, it's never felt to me like Floyd Mayweather was invincible. And that's probably why McGregor has moved down from a 12 to 1 underdog to a 4 to 1 underdog. Yeah. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be, you know, like I said, if McGregor wins, it's, you know, something you got to see. It was cool. If if you have the man, did, have you seen the picture? How much it costs to have four seats? Seat AA. Well, I saw that uh, the the best seats available that you could buy right now were for fifteen thousand apiece. Oh, I saw. I forget who it was. It was some celebrity that was thinking about going. And um, some comedian, I think it was like Lil Duval or something, but he was looking at getting seats like CA row A for $215,000. Oh, that was on Ticketmaster. Like it was, or whatever the MGM or whatever the, you know, event company was, it was $215,000. They make their money, you make all the money in... (laughs) It's seats. Like, I mean, yeah, the the I, gate alone is going to be ridiculous. It's nuts, but we'll see. Saturday, I just bought it today, so we're all set. Oh, you 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 did already buy it? Yeah, I bought it now. I did it on the because they can do you can stream it on the app, the like Showtime pay per view app. Um, so okay. Yeah, hey, we're previewing it, so Showtime pay per view app, Showtime, throw us a sponsor. We'll get big one day. Um, but, yeah, you can just download it right there and uh, watch it. And I'm going to have to figure out a way to stream it because I have a Google Chromecast and an Apple phone. So, you know, they don't let those two work together. But we'll figure it out. It's ready. It's on deck. We've got people coming out. It'll be a good time. Um, but let's like, let's touch on this just for a second. And I know we talked about it a little earlier, but uh, scale of 1 to 10 – uh, on your level of disappointment with with John Bones Jones, it's a ten for me. I really, you know, this was a guy that I I'm always happy when I start liking a guy before he gets big. Um, and I, I never criticize people for jumping on bandwagons because that just is generally how it happens. But I'm I was always proud to say that I I started liking John Jones before he 
had his first light heavyweight title fight. Um, he's from Rochester, New York, which is like 30 minutes from where I grew up. So when I saw that a UFC fighter was from there, um, I watched him on, I believe, Fox Sports. It was a an August 2010 free show on Fox Sports, and he won in the main event, and I decided – well, if I'm going to have to have a favorite UFC fighter, it might as well be this guy. So, yeah, I I was obviously like, very I was very happy to see that he ascended the ranks so quickly. And when he was at his peak, the the talk of of Bones being possibly the greatest UFC fighter of all time, I felt like was legitimate, but. You know, it's sad that he's now going to probably be remembered as one of the the greatest what-ifs in sports history because he's looking at a four-year ban, and by that time he'll be in his 30s if he's not already. I think, he, I think he's still in his 20s. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what to expect four years from now, I don't know what to expect four months from now. I mean, we're talking about a guy who who has DUIs on his record. He, he has a very spotty history with drug use, um, not only performance enhancing, but recreational drug use. I, I don't know. It's a real bummer as a fan and as somebody who really enjoys seeing great athletes at their peak. And, I mean, is there anybody in sports history that, I mean, and and I guess UFC doesn't rank up there with, like, most popular sports uh, as far as the U.S. goes, but, I mean, has there been anybody on a higher mountaintop that just really couldn't get it together? I mean, I guess a close parallel would be Tyson. To some degree. I mean, Jones never had that level of hysteria when it came to, oh, wow, there's a Tyson fight this weekend. We, You know, there's the biggest ticket in, in sports right now. Um, yeah. But Tyson for a six-year stretch was invincible. And from 2011 till 2015, Jones – beat everyone who they put in his way. He beat former champions. He beat up-and-comers. He he beat guys fighting their styles. I mean, he he was incredible. He, he was arguably the most skilled UFC fighter ever. And, yeah, and I, then I he just couldn't like, stay out of trouble. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole – I think it really surprised everyone – in a way, I don't think anybody really saw it coming the first time around. But I um, definitely didn't. I mean, like, he was the only, the first ever UFC athlete to, what, be sponsored by Nike. And that was a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I can't, I mean, I'm just really trying to think of somebody like, I don't know, maybe like Barry Bonds or something in the sense that, like, he had, it, had but, everything. And then... All these drugs. But, even, but Bonds' career was never cut short because of anything he did. His his legacy was tarnished after the fact. But 
That's true. I mean, he. I don't. I don't think he ever missed time because of a suspension. Yeah. This is going to be the second time that Jones was suspended. This is a four-year ban. It's just, I mean, I can't even. I can't even fathom. It's so. You know, how often also do we see somebody just blatantly disregard what they got? You know, canned for. Like you have to be. Uh, either some sort of like, I don't know if he's super insecure about his abilities or something, or he's really trying to make up ground, but you would think that if you could at least train for four years, you'd be better than everybody because you wouldn't have to fight so many people. But uh, it's just true. It's incredible stupidity to me. Um, I, you're just, he, he literally just threw millions of dollars away. Um, and he probably could have done it without it. Who knows? And how crazy would it have been to see John Bones and Brock Lesnar fight? That would have been insane. That that's the that's the crazy part of this to me, is that leading up to that second fight with Cormier, Jones was saying all the right things about how he got his life back on track and he owned everything he did in the past. It seemed like the guy who was genuinely recovered from from issues that he had in the past. And obviously, he had to know that he was unclean going into this fight with Cormier. And when he called out Lesnar, he had to know, I imagine, I mean, I I guess I don't know much about the testing in UFC, how how confident he was that maybe his test would come up clean. But... I don't know why you say all those things and and seem so remorseful and seem so apologetic and seem so thankful that you have your life back on track and all these people still believing in you and cheering for you when you know in all likelihood you're going to (laughs) – you have this this positive test just waiting there that – you know, there's nothing you could do about it, and you go away for four years. I don't, I don't get it. And you know, I've defended this guy through through a lot of issues. I mean, he, he doesn't have a a squeaky clean reputation, and I've probably stuck by him more than any other athlete that I've had to say is my favorite athlete. But I can't. I can't defend him anymore. This is just ridiculous. You, you have the the world at your feet. You you are possibly the greatest to ever do what you are doing, and you throw it away. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's unbelievable, and I just <laughs> it just ah. I can't imagine. I, I was looking. I was looking forward. That Brock Lesnar fight would have been cool. Um, and like, but how crazy do you have to be? Like, cra- obviously crazy to like, you know, do it after you just got off a four-year ban. But to talk so much trash and you know, to be Cormier right now. I, I wonder. I wonder if he's mad or relieved that he got the belt. I bet you he's just mad that, like, this guy got through it again. Uh, I mean, I guess he might be relieved to a degree because, 
Bones is gone, but I mean, they want to fight each other. But uh, it's, I, I, I can't understand. <laughs> I'll never understand. Well, I'll tell you what might happen. We might see John Jones in WWE. Really? It, it wouldn't, because, and I don't know how, what avenues WWE would need to take to get these two in a ring or an octagon, but Brock Lesnar is still under contract with WWE. And if Jones' contract with UFC is eventually terminated, he's a free agent, and he could do whatever he wants. I don't know for sure that WWE would have to sanction a a fight between those two so long as both parties agreed to it. That would be ridiculous. Like, if they ever put that together, I feel like that'd be... I mean, that would that would blow up the WWE. I mean, the, the WWE is big enough, but to have something like that in there would be, you know, a monstrosity. <laughs> I mean, WWE is they've played around with with UFC or MMA before. They in the late '90s they had a boxing tournament called Brawl for All, and I really don't think that they had to go through. The, the commissions that, that pro boxers have to. I mean, there's nothing to say that they can't just put Lesnar and Jones in an octagon with a, an official and have them both sign a contract saying you're going to operate in this octagon as if you were in the UFC. You'll fight by the same rules. I don't know. Incredible. I'll just say it would not surprise me. Does WWE need to pull its trigger though? Because I feel like they, well, and it may not be the WWE; it might just be the parties involved. But like, I feel like there's been so many times where we've heard like somebody's coming in, like Riff Raff or Ronda Rousey or you know some of these other people that that are trying to make the transition. But <laughs> you know what I love? I love that you you mentioned Riff Raff and Ronda Rousey in the same sentence. <laughs> They're the some they're legends in their own field, one hundred percent. I think the, I think the Rousey rumors are legitimate. I think she might end up at WrestleMania next year. I mean, she was there last year, wasn't she? Or two years ago? Two years ago, but I, I think she might end up in a match at WrestleMania this year. That's a is that a hot take or is that a, a warm take? That that's a take that has floated around the internet for a little bit, and one that I I think is legitimate. Yeah, I mean it it'd be great for her. I don't know what she's doing. I'm sure she probably has like a gym or something and coaches or something like that. But I think it would be pretty safe to say she's not coming back to the UFC. Um, she shouldn't. She she was she looked terrible in that last fight. That would be, I mean, it was hard. It was so hard to watch, dude. Like, I I'll tell you this too. My my opinions of Ronda changed when she beat that Brazilian chick. I was like, yo, 
she's on, let's do it. And then I think she beat somebody else after that. And then she got kicked in the face by Holly Holm, and I was crushed. And then she came back around for, I don't the know. The Nunez fight. Nunez, yeah. yeah no, and I was crushed again, yeah. like completely destroyed. That was that was legitimately uncomfortable to watch when she fought Nunez. Yeah. Yeah. She, it, had, like, she it, it looked like she wanted no part of being in the octagon. It really, it really looked like somebody made her go in there, and and she just wanted no part of it. Well, what was weird is that like when the home fight came around, she like flipped the switch and she went from like the sit back and relax type of the, you know, like, stand your ground to, like, being all up in Holly's face and talking all sorts of trash. And I don't know if that was, like, the UFC trying to, you know, make it more entertaining or if something just, like, happened. But I, I, I like, cut her some slack with Holly Holm, and I saw how much trash she was talking during the Nunez fight. And I was just like, I, I don't know if I can get down with this. Like, it didn't it just felt disingenuous to me, and I felt bad because, you know, Ronda was like the girl next door in a way in that she was, you know, seemingly very humble and nice and it just didn't seem very uh, fitting for her to, you know, be the antagonist. And for what it's worth, Holly Holm was an 8-1 to underdog against Rousey. She was a bigger underdog than McGregor is. Any given Sunday, it can happen. I, yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, did you hear, there's people betting, like, people bet, like, $200,000 on this fight. I think on Floyd. Well, that, I mean, you, I think you'd have to be kind of crazy to bet on McGregor that much money. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a big bet. I think I told you Brendan Schaub uh, bet. I guess, I, I don't know if they, like, disappear or the odds become in such a way that it's not favorable for you to bet like that anymore, but he'd bet that there was, like, one of eight odds that McGregor would win one round, just win the round. And he bet, like, $20,000 on it or something silly and was going to, you know, stand to make over $100,000 off the bet. That's that's a dreamland for me. I will never achieve <laughs> that. Alright, and, and not, it's not even to say that I won't not have that much money. I will never feel comfortable about throwing $20,000 potentially out the window. Not in my lifetime. Yeah, that, that's kind of hard to fathom. <laughs> it's like, you can buy, buy a new car, just throw a car directly out the window, flush it right down the toilet. I am interested in seeing how much money comes in late on Mayweather. Oh, yeah. I feel like on Saturday morning we're going to see a a big swing in in the line because McGregor so, you could, he's four to one now, and and Mayweather's odds are are going the opposite direction. So now I I want to say Mayweather might only be one to three. So you know, if you bet 
you'd have to bet three hundred to win a hundred. So that that sounds very reasonable, and I I think that's where the big money bets will come in. I think anybody betting multiple thousands of dollars is probably waiting to see what Mayweather gets down to before everything swings. Because eventually you're going to be able to get him at really good value. So if you were, if you know, to all of our our, our fans out there, um, if you were betting, like, is it too late to vote uh, to bet for McGregor or not McGregor? Is it too late to vote for Mayweather? Um, when when should people vote for or you know vote bet for for each you know for the respective parties? What do you think? I'm I'm pretty sure that that goes right up until the time of the fight, or at least the time the pay-per-view, the main card starts. Well, I would suggest this. If you're, if you are inclined to bet this fight, um, man, I've never done a gambling angle on, on a podcast before. This is interesting. Okay. So if you're, (laughs) if you're inclined to bet McGregor, I would say, oh man, I can't, I can't, Fathom betting betting a lot of money on McGregor only four to one. I think you take the chance on a lot of money coming in on Mayweather Saturday morning and see what you can get McGregor for immediately before the fight. I, I would guess that by fight time McGregor will probably slip back to at least six to one. Okay. Um and this is based on nothing. I have no insider knowledge of how Vegas works or anything like that. This is all speculation. Um, really? I figure if I, if, if I say it really confidently, um, people might <laughs> believe me. So, yeah, so I would stay away from McGregor as a 4-1 to underdog, but if, if money comes in on Mayweather Saturday morning or late Friday night, um, you might be able to get him at a better price on Saturday evening. Um, if you're waiting to pull the trigger on Mayweather, I, I would get in right now because I, I feel like sooner rather than later, you're, a lot of money is going to come in on Mayweather. Um, and if it's going to swing, it, it would swing in favor of um, Mayweather's odds worsening from the perspective of somebody looking to bet him. However, it, it should be mentioned that Vegas has been very clear about the fact that they stand to lose a ton of money if Conor McGregor wins this fight. <laughs> so so they may not change the line even if a lot of money comes in on Mayweather. They may keep it where it is just so they're getting more Mayweather bets to even out what the payout will be depending on the result. Yeah, and and I, I would like to follow all of that with if you lose your money, not you, to the fans out there, to all of our adoring fans, if you lose your money, it's not Sunday's fault. It's not our fault. You lost. It's okay. You, you'll get it back. Don't worry about it. But we're not responsible in any way, shape, or form for – the outcome of two men dancing for hundreds of millions of dollars. No. So nope. I'm I'm not gonna have that on my shoulders. Yeah. So they're not. I can sleep at night. Um. Yeah. I mean, we're back to it, but 
Saturday. It's gonna happen. I'm excited. Um, it should be it should be a good one. But um, I knew something that was. Go ahead. Go oh, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, was it uh, was it yesterday that Kyrie got traded? Or yeah, that, that's actually what I was going to say. Can we talk about probably the biggest NBA trade in the last ten years? Yeah, I thought it was like the first time that it was something like two players that averaged twenty five points per game were traded or, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, there, like there's some common there's there's a combination there's a combination of that and two teams who played in the conference finals the year before have never traded. Um, it's either something along the lines of 20-point-plus scores or one of their top two scores from the, the year prior. So, okay, th- this has really never happened. This is completely uncharted waters here. And, and amazingly, I actually think it's a win for both teams. I think both teams won on the trade, which rarely ever happens when, when a superstar is involved in a trade. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I just wonder. I, I, mean, I guess the Celtics did okay last year. I mean, they weren't, they weren't terrible. But well, um, I mean, they. You think they had the best record in the East? Oh shoot! That's right. They beat the Bulls. I remember this now. Um, were you thinking of? Were, like were you thinking of an alternate reality where the the Bulls actually upset the Celtics in round one? Yeah, when when Kyle Korver was still there and Joe Kimnoa was in his prime and Derrick Rose still had both of his knees, I, or his original knees at least. Um, yeah, those are the good old days. The good old days. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's so hard to be a Bulls fan. And it's so crazy just because, like, if anybody's got money in the NBA, the Bulls got to be up there, but... Man, it's like, I feel like the Cleveland Browns in a way in that we're just like an NBA farm team that everybody just gets our guys and then they go to the playoffs. And then we're still just stuck in Chicago. Well, you, you, had a nice little, you had a nice little run there. You did, it, definitely, it definitely isn't what it should have been. I mean, if we, if we play 2011 to 2017 – a hundred times in some kind of simulation machine. The Bulls are definitely winning at least one title in the majority of those simulations. So, it, it I do feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, I don't even know the kids that got traded to us, but where are they from? Was it from Milwaukee or not Milwaukee? But well, you got you got. Yeah, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn and um, the number seven pick, who is probably the poor man's Dirk Nowitzki. Great. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was so that, exciting. That's something to be exciting, excited for next year. But anyway, yeah. I so here here's my here's my take on this trade for the Cavs. You knew Kyrie wanted out. He made it clear multiple times. He he requested the trade uh, back in either June or July. Um, 
he submarined his own trade value when he, he insisted he wouldn't immediately sign an extension with any team that traded for him. And the Cavs still managed to get a point guard who could match 90% of Kyrie's offense. Um, and someone who's actually a better spot-up shooter than Kyrie. So that plays in the favor of having the ball in LeBron's hands and Isaiah spotting up on the, the opposite wing or the corner and shooting wide-open threes. They got a good 3 and D wing in Jay Crowder. And they also got a likely top seven pick in the 2018 draft, which is loaded. So they they satisfied a deal that, that helps them in the short term and a deal that helped them in the long term. And what nobody, or at least what not as many people are talking about as I expected they would, is that the Cavs could eventually use that pick not in the draft, but to flip that and, and some other rotation players and possibly – trade for a big name next summer. And that's if you get a verbal commitment from LeBron saying that he's staying. So say say that the, the New Orleans Pelicans have just a, a disastrous year. And you have Anthony Davis who has two years left on his contract and and he's saying things in the media like we we gotta turn this around, we have to I wanna play for a team with a winning culture, this and that. So why couldn't the Cavs uh, approach the Pelicans and say, okay, we have this top five pick. We have Kevin Love. We'll trade you Love, this pick, and, and anything else that we need to to make the salaries work, and we'll, we'll take Anthony Davis off your hands before he leaves you and you get nothing out of him. And, and if you could do all that and you have LeBron there and it, maybe you re-sign Isaiah or maybe you use the cap space to sign uh, another superstar free agent, but now all of a sudden that's a pretty, a, a pretty interesting core for LeBron to work with that might entice him to stay in Cleveland instead of going to LA or New York. Yeah. It's like, I, 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 real, I realize I talked for a really long time, but I had a lot to say. No, no, it's just like, how many more superstars can you put on a team? Like, who, what player, if there's one player that's not on the Cleveland Cavs, not on uh, the Golden State Warriors, um, if there's, who is the kryptonite that would seal the deal for the Cavs to, like, just for sure beat, if anybody, for them to beat the Golden State Warriors? Who's, like, the one player carrying on the top? You know, I that, that's realistic for them to be able to get? Or um, just in general? If we're, like, fantasy yeah, drafting? Yeah. Kyrie's offense was vital in, in the finals. He, he torched the Warriors. So you need a point guard who could create off the dribble and take a little bit of the scoring burden off LeBron. And maybe point guard isn't the right way to put it. Maybe another perimeter player who could create his own shot and, and give you 30 points a night. 
Now, maybe maybe Isaiah could do that. Maybe maybe the hip injury that hindered him late in the year last year won't be a nagging thing all year long, and maybe he'll he'll replicate a great deal of the offense that he he showed in Boston last year. He was 29 points per game last year. If he can give the Cavs 24, they're, they're, that's fine. If they could have traded for Jimmy Butler, a guy that you could yeah. – a guy that you could put on Kevin Durant, a guy who could switch defensively, put him on clay. You could you, you could feel okay with him on Steph. He gets switched on to Steph. You could put him on Durant for long stretches. You could play small ball with Butler at the four and some kind of crazy small lineup with LeBron as the five. Like you could do all those things, and he helps. But you know, any. If the Cavs would have made a, a trade for Butler, they have to give up Kyrie anyway. That's the thing. That's why there's nothing realistic that they could do that puts them on the Warriors' level because what put the Warriors at a level that that the Cavs can't get to was that they not only drafted three of their stars, but Kevin Durant chose to play for them in free agency. So what this would require for the Cavs to be able to do without giving up assets would be attracting a big-name free agent to Cleveland, which really has never been done, except for LeBron, who had already spent seven years in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, I I just – I don't know. I guess it would just take more for the Warriors to lose someone than to – I mean, if they just had – if Katie was injured – for more than he was last year, um, but it, it's, it, I find it hard to believe that. Do you think? Do you think that they could beat their their win record with KD, or is that never going to be touched again? I have a really hard time saying that any record is never going to be touched because yeah. never implies a a future that exists far beyond what we will see. I don't think it's likely just because so many of those guys on the Warriors said we wouldn't do that again. We wouldn't put that toll on ourselves. We wouldn't be playing these games like they're playoff games for for the majority of the regular season. But last year in the first year of Durant there, they won 67. So they already weren't far off, and they bring everyone back this year, and somehow they they may have improved their bench. And, I mean, if they won 74 games next year, it wouldn't be remotely as shocking as them winning 73 two years ago. But here's the thing that everyone seems to forget about, and – Everyone gets angry when teams are are honest about the fact that they're tanking. They also get angry when teams try to make all-in moves to improve their position in the league. Fans are, are seemingly getting angry because there's this idea that nobody could touch the Warriors. Now, 
we, we've seen it before. We, we've seen superstars get injured in the playoffs. All it takes is one fluke injury to Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant, and suddenly, as good as the Warriors are, they're vulnerable. And that's why I love what the Rockets did trading for, for Chris Paul and trying to keep their window open or open their window more. I love what, what Minnesota did trading for Jimmy Butler. Just because that doesn't immediately put them at the level of, of Golden State, why shouldn't they compete to the best of their ability and at least open the door for your, yourself if something fluky does happen? And that's, yeah, that's why that's why the the trade makes all kinds of sense for the Celtics too because they they got their superstar Danny Ainge has been sitting on this pile of assets for for four years now and, and he's turning these picks into more picks and turning role players into other role players who are slightly better and now he he cashed in and he has a superstar and he still has assets to show for it he still has two top three picks in the last two years he still has a a boatload of of future first round picks that will likely be in the lottery I don't know why the Celtics wouldn't try to cash in and, and get Kyrie and and maximize their window and open their window more when what happens if LeBron for the first time in his career gets really hurt in March and suddenly the Cavs are no longer the the shoe-in favorite to win the East? Why not put yourself in a position where you're better off? Yeah. I, I guess it just... It feels unfair, but, like, I mean, that's just it's business and it's sports. It's like if you can get the biggest team that you can, just do it. Like, props to the Celtics for pulling that off because that is a huge move, and uh, my Bulls will be there one day. But I mean, it's it's an arms race, and, and every team knows that. And, you know, I that's just the reality of the situation, and, I think more than anything, people, fans are displeased because the players have more say in it now than they did in the past. But if you look at the 80s, it was the Celtics and the Lakers and the Pistons who were contending every year. And and they did it through through the draft and through smart trades, and they dominated. And just because Kevin Durant decides he wants to play for the Warriors and just because LeBron is, is stacking the deck in his favor, which he should be doing, if the goal every year is to win an NBA title and and that is what we want these guys to be playing for, we hear all the time that this era of players only plays for the money when in the past guys only played to win titles. Well, now guys are taking it into their hands to put themselves in the position to win a title. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, it's I have no problem with it. 
I, I have no problem with it. And the thing is, the league is so deep right now that even the, the teams that are good but aren't going to contend for a title are really, really entertaining. I mean, the Timberwolves are a perfect example of that. They have three of the top 35 players in the league, and they're going to be really good, and they might be the fifth best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just, it, feels, it feels like basketball evolution to me, where it's like, it's just not even that, you know, the players are getting better, but it's like really becoming survival of the fittest. And so all mm-hmm. these teams are having to bolster hardcore just to, you know, catch up to the Warriors, the Cavs. I mean, the Heat a couple of years ago. Um, so now it's like everybody has somebody, you know, and maybe yeah. except for the Phoenix Suns. But well, um, even the Suns, the, the Suns, they have Devin Booker, who 21 years old scored 70 points in a game last year. Oh, that's, that's right. Cra- I remember that. That's a crazy thing. Like the league is without question deeper now than it has been in our lifetime. Yeah. And so, so you know, there there are people who, casual fans who, are never going to be happy. They'll say that that players have too much say. They'll say that that only the the there are only four teams every year that matter that have a chance to win the title, and they just ignore the fact that a small market team like Milwaukee stumbled upon a Greek kid who has a chance to be one of the best players in the NBA, and he's only 23 years old. Like, no one who actually really watches basketball can't tell me that Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks aren't one of the most intriguing teams in the league. And them, like the Timberwolves, they might be the fourth best team in the East. The NBA is in really good shape, regardless of what some people will tell you. And basically, by any measure, that that is justified. You look at the TV deal they signed. You look at the, the market value for franchises. You look at the the TV ratings for the NBA Finals. You look at the, the number of subscribers to the NBA League Pass. It's like... Is one of the the only professional sports leagues that is trending in the right direction, and in every way imaginable. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's. I don't know. Baseball doesn't count to me. Like I, I know people like it, but it's it, it just feels like casual fandom for the most part, unless you like live in New York or Boston. Um, and yeah, the NFL is. It's close, but I feel like, yeah, that's one got is at the top for me as far as like dominant sports. I don't, I don't know. Well, it still hasn't, it still hasn't passed football, and I, I want our next podcast to be about football and and the direction it's going and all all subtopics related to football because. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that isn't being talked about enough that I want to talk about. But before we wrap up, we need to make official predictions for Mayweather McGregor. 
Um, you know, I'm going to speak with, speak with your head, not your heart. With my head and my head. Uh, I feel, I think it's going to go 12 and Floyd wins in a decision. Okay, you ready for the hot take? Yeah. I think McGregor wins. Yeah? I'll, I'll pick McGregor. I'll put my neck out there. I'll, I'll be accused of being an idiot. By, by everyone who actually really watches boxing. Here, here's my rationale. Every guy who, fl- who fights Floyd goes in there and tries to outbox him, and it never works. It never comes close. McGregor's not going to do that. McGregor's going to go in there, and he's going to try to punch Floyd's head off, and he, he's going to succeed or die trying. And... I think that Mayweather probably isn't taking this fight as seriously as as he has other fights, and I think McGregor probably is – he has an idea of his image enough to know that this will make him one of the most iconic combat sport athletes ever if he beats Mayweather. I think, yeah, in, in terms of legacy – and in terms of impact, it probably puts him a notch behind Ali and Tyson. It definitely solidifies him as the most important mixed martial artist ever. And I don't know. I just – maybe I'm going to end up looking really dumb, but I'll pick McGregor to win. I – the. I mean, if anything, it solidifies him as just a sports figure. He's going to be a titan in just sports in general. But yeah. um, I, I just want to say one thing because I've been reading this on the Internet and it drives me crazy. But uh, to all those people out there that call boxing the sweet science, please just shut up. It's, it's not science. It's, it's not MMA. Uh, you know, we're going to do the hot take sound, sirens blaring behind me. Uh, I'm just, I, I hate hearing it. Like, it's just like, you know, let's, let's run with our feet tied together versus let's actually run in a race. Um, knock off the sweet science, baloney. Connor, I, I, my heart is with you, Sonny, and I, I really hope that he knocks him out in four, like he says, uh, he's gonna, but sweet science, I, I hope it's, I hope it's dead after this weekend. We will see. If any event is going to kill professional boxing, it'll absolutely be Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Weston, it's been fun. We'll uh, we'll have to to recap McGregor and Mayweather next time. We'll have to talk about the future of football. It's been fun. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I'll catch you later, right. man. Sounds good. Until next time, this has been the Hustle and Overflow Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.